Hey gang, it's John. Thanks for listening to another episode of Deep Dive. And this time we are bringing back, yes, keyboardist and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Tony Kay. Tony is here to talk about their 1987 album, Big Generator. I think everybody knows 90125 comes out in the early 80s and it's a surprise hit. And so they've got to get the band back together for a follow-up, even though there is so much dysfunction in there. I just finished reading Trevor Horn's book, which is great, by the way. Trevor produces the first album, 90125. He doesn't talk about Big Generator in the book, but he does talk about kind of the drama within the band and his strained relationship with Tony K. Tony's a little more gentlemanly about discussing it in here, but it exists. So anyway, there's a lot of turmoil involved in the creation of this album, but it eventually gets done, and it includes hits like Rhythm of Love, Love Will Find a Way. I love this album a lot. I hope you do too. Um, I will say real quick that I had to record this one on my phone, and so the sound quality isn't quite as good, but it's good enough. You'll enjoy it. All right? Enjoy. Thanks for being willing to do this with me, Tony. So you're cool with doing kind of a deep dive, a big generator? Uh, well, if I could remember anything. <laughs> how, how, how long ago was that? Uh, well, according to my research, you started 80. 85 is when you guys started rehearsals for Big Generator. <laughs> somewhere, uh, yeah, somewhere around then. I know it, it, it took a long, uh, took a long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into it, first and foremost, I wanted to say we're coming up on a year since your End of the Innocence album dropped. And I'm curious how, it, what the, has the response been to End of Innocence over this time? Uh, it's uh, well, fortunately, it's been uh, it's been really uh, really nice response. You know, people have definitely seen it for what it is, and of course, I I wasn't trying to uh, you know do anything particularly progressive or uh, anything like yes or you know it was and it was done on such a long period of time from the day after it happened that it, uh, you know, there was, there was a lot of, uh, mm -hmm. developments along the way, you know, a lot of it was actually done in the, in the first year or two. Really? Uh, yeah. And done in, a, in peculiar ways, you know, mm -hmm. recorded it at, um, peculiar places on, uh, on cassette players and, uh, all kinds of weirdness. You know, so it was not, uh, it was not like, you know, normal going into a studio and, and right. recording for a few weeks or a few, or a couple of months or whatever. And it was, uh, it was just a, I, it's a little cliche, but it was kind of a labor of love, really. <laughs> and I, you know, I didn't have a record company and it, uh, I, it, it was only just by chance, really, that I did the, uh, the 50th anniversary with uh, with Yes and kind of met up with their management and all the rest of it and they persuaded me actually to finish it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a gradual thing, but um, yeah, I was I was happy with it. Um, it's very very different, you know, and and about a very a very serious uh, topic, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Do you get to perform it ever, or does it just live out there on you know on the streaming services and stuff like that? Yeah, no, I I um, I will 
I would never perform it. Uh, oh. I, I would. Um, I wouldn't know how to do it. <laughs> mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's because uh, there's a lot. I mean, a, a lot of it is orchestral. You yeah. know, a lot of it was built up on, on my keyboards on, using you know on an orchestral basis. So yeah, yeah doing it live. Um, a couple of people have suggested that uh, it would be great if it was actually transcribed for orchestra and, and yeah. performed as an orchestra. Um, so, yeah, who knows? Okay. Maybe, the, hmm. maybe, maybe in the future. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it makes sense for, you know, you could, you know, on anniversaries of the event or whatever, you get to perform your whole magnum opus, and it's gorgeous. It should be performed that way, you know? Uh, yes, if it, if it was going to be performed, I think uh, it, that would be the way to do it, you know, yeah. would be, yeah. um, um, people have said, you know, this, you should play the whole thing with uh -huh. uh, the Royal Albert Hall with the, um, mm. the you know, the Philomon London Philharmonic, and, you know, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, unless someone comes along with that plan. <laughs> that might not be so easy. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I loved it, and I was really happy we got to talk about it last year, and it's coming up on its anniversary. It just had its anniversary, so I wondered how things have been going with it. Um, now, Big Generator. This is, uh, in doing the research to talk to you, I'm realizing this is, so here's what I, I have a theory about you, about yes, in the 80s. I feel like 90125 is your divorce baby. You know how couples <laughs> sometimes are on the cusp of divorce and they think, maybe if we have one more kid, it'll spice up our marriage and it'll bring us closer together. And so, <laughs> and so 90125 is that divorce baby. And it turns out you do. You love your kid. And, it kind of helps for a little while, and so you think, well, we're a bigger family now, so let's buy a bigger house. And that's what Big mm -hmm. Generator is, is a divorced house. But all along, none of these things, as nice as they are, are fixing the core issue uh -huh. of marriage. Does that sound about right? That's a good way of putting it, actually. Uh, <laughs> a good way to describe exactly what went on. Uh, well, you know, not... Uh, Nano one two five was uh was a surprise. Yeah. No one no one expected uh you know what what happened there and it was just yeah. it was never gonna be yes. Uh, you know, the band was gonna be completely different with uh with Trevor and it and it was it was uh nine months of rehearsing something that that, that became you know, something that that no one expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, f follow that. Right. You, right. You, you really couldn't do it, especially in the, uh, you know, the genre of, of yes history and yes music. It was so, 90125 was so different, um, musically. It took yeah. on a it took on a, a a life of its own, and uh, you because of circumstances of being in in England, uh, Trevor Horn, and uh, mm -hmm. and everything that was happening in the in Sound Studios at the 
at that time, Grace Jones and the yeah. Um, uh, Frankie goes to Hollywood. ABC. Frankie and ABC. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, it, it was. It was just. Um, it, it. It was a thing that really no one expected, and no one, no one really understood. I mean, we yeah. we were we were just kind of uh, dumbfounded, really. Yeah, uh, they they put us on the road and. Uh, and you know it was a great show it was uh it was a number one we had it we got a different audience mm-hmm. a younger audience a more mixed audience and uh, uh yeah it was yeah. it was like follow that yeah and of course you we couldn't follow i don't know i mean i it's not up to par quite but there are times when i enjoy listening to the big generator album as much or more then I don't want to fight. It's a mood, but I could, I don't know. I, I don't see the album as the step backwards that a lot of people do. One thing I am curious about. So, well, I'm curious about a lot, but when I had Gary Langan on here a couple of years ago, I believe it was Gary. I've had so many people that worked with Trevor. In fact, I just talked to Trevor a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and you came up, of course. My, if I remember right, it was Gary who told me that people rarely work with Trevor Horn twice they do it once and it's successful but it's so much work and so much drama that they almost never do it twice and i wonder <laughs> if that is because he was at first he was attached at first and then he couldn't do it anymore do you find that to be true with working with trevor it's just too much to do more than once well, you know, it's no secret that uh, that Trevor and I didn't Trevor Horn, that is, uh, yeah. didn't get on, yeah. and um, so it it was a very difficult um, it was a very difficult situation for me. Uh, I enjoyed it a, a lot uh, because of the people there, and um, and and you know, people like Gary and. <laughs> And of course, I was working quite a lot with Mutt Langer at, mm-hmm. at that time, doing uh, doing Pyromania, mm-hmm. and uh, it it was a it was an enjoyable period, but a, a, a very sort of uh, dark, uh, mm-hmm. strange strange period with uh, with Trevor Horn because he just didn't respect anything that that I did. Mm. And and of course, you know, it's a it was a weird time for for keyboards at that time. You know, I mean, to to you know, to get to Psalm and and be confronted with this this keyboard, this Synclavier thing that really couldn't do anything. Yeah, it cost it cost two million dollars, and and you know, made you know cow mooing sounds and. Uh, <laughs> Various sort of sampling things, that, uh, uh, which uh, you know really worked on um, on the owner of a lonely heart because yeah. um, sampling really hadn't been done then. But it was a, it was a weird time as it I'm a um, primarily a Hammond B3 player, and okay. the the sort of concept and the musicality. Of what we were trying to do was a, a little, a little different to that, 
and it was it was very hard to know what to do and you know you have to sort of consider that Trevor was sort of king of the king of the the psalm yeah. studio situation yeah uh, using a, a keyboards with bands like abc who had no you know preconceptions about hammonds and piano right right right. goes on i mean it it was just it was uh, for a keyboard player it was kind of odd and and also you know he had some kind of success with uh radio killed the uh video killed the radio killed the radio star and i was working with jeff who was uh, very up in the in the sort of new keyboard technique mm-hmm. too. Yeah, Trevor Trevor looked at me as kind of an old, you know. Yeah. What is what is he doing with a B three? Yeah. So it was it was a little it was a little strange recording yeah. uh, recording okay. an album. Um, it it feels like to me when I read into this that there are numerous camps and you have to sort of. Um, show your loyalty to one. It sounds like there's a Trevor Rabin camp, maybe a John Anderson camp, and maybe a Chris Squire camp. And each one has different ideas of what the next Yes album should sound like. And trying to satiate each person while also moving things along and getting everyone else involved is just too big of a job for Horn to take on. And he just decided kind of screw this. I'm not getting. I'm not getting along with everybody anyway. Let Trevor Raven figure this out. Is that, am I? Is that sort of right? Yeah, there was there was a, a lot of that. But at the, at, you know, at the same time, we were all really of one mind uh, right at the beginning. And you know, not to forget that we actually rehearsed the thing for for nine or ten months. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. was pretty. It was pretty much set in stone, um, apart from the recording of it, yeah. you know, we kind of rehearsed it as a band. So when it, yeah, when it came to going in, into the studio, it, it became, it became a very different, uh, um, okay. complicated thing with, mm-hmm. with, with different, different camps. And of course, you know, Chris was very, uh, very much in favor of, of Trevor Horn. Okay. Trevor Rabin is a genius and can do, you know, anything that the Trevor Horn tried to do in his sleep, yeah. you know. So there yeah. was there was a lot of uh, com- complexities going down there. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, seems it like is uh, and if this is too pointed a question, you can tell me and we'll cut it out. Is is John just a difficult person to work with sometimes? depending on the situation, because it seems like he's sort of at the crux of these breakaway. Yes. Things, you know, you're either in the, you're either with John or you're without John and people seem to lose patience or something. Uh, uh, yes. And, and that, you know, having worked uh, with John a long time after that, there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot to that. Uh, okay. He's he's definitely not the uh, easiest person, and does have a very very 
very, very much his own way of doing everything, and yeah. once once his own way, uh, and and every you know, not not the easiest thing in the world. But yeah. of course, uh, at the same time too, John. I mean, I wasn't even there. I I had left the band. I I you know threw my hands up in the air and just uh, yeah. left London. But he wasn't there for the entire recording of the album. You know, oh. he he flew in from Paris and just happened to uh, to, to, to come to the studio. And uh, you know, of course, Atlantic had probably in their their brains that uh, you know, I I, I guess reunion would obviously be the financially the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. But he came in um, and really liked, you know, the songs and whatever, mm-hmm. and just kind of recorded, uh, you know, what was there. It was done. You know, yeah. the album, the, the album was recorded. And you're talking about the Union album right now, right? No, 9125. Oh, Big Generator. But no, 9125. Oh really? Oh, that. Yeah. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. I forgot. Yeah, that. he came. He came. John came in right at the end. Uh, you know, to uh, to extend that thought mm-hmm. that um, that with the point that you were making was mm-hmm. that you know after touring and uh, all the success of ninety one two five to to get into Big Generator with him being there. Mm-hmm. From the beginning, yeah. all the time was a, a slightly daunting. Uh, yes, okay, that makes sense. I get mm-hmm. it. Um, now I'm curious when you, not that you do, but if, when you listen to the final album, when do you hear more Trevor Rabin or more Trevor Horn? Who do you think whose hand holds has the sound more, you know, heavily there by in the finished product? Of ninety one two five, no, a big generator. Oh, big generator! Oh, big generator was uh, was Trevor's uh, baby. Trevor Raven, because it started yeah. out with Horn, and then he left, and so I didn't know how much of the finished product is Horn produced or Raven produced. Trevor uh, Trevor uh, Horn had hardly anything to do with okay. uh, with yeah. with big generator. He did. Okay. He didn't know, you know, what was going on. Yeah, it was Raven's baby, and yeah. um, uh, you know, I mean, I, I was there after rehearsals in in Los Angeles when yeah. everyone kind of dispersed and you know went to yeah. different uh, countries or whatever. Sure. Uh, sure. You know, I lived close to uh, to Trevor to Trevor okay. Raven. And so we were together the whole time. And, you know, for the first time, uh, Digital Performer uh, was was there. And okay. he, installed, he installed it in his studio. And, and, and Big Generator was actually, you know, finished. Got it. Okay. Okay. I, um, I was curious. Now... When you think about Trevor Rabin, who I, I agree, I think is also kind of a genius too. There might be some, uh, some. There's some. It reminds me of Michael McDonald coming into the Doobie Brothers. Here's a new guy who wasn't intended to take over the band, but his new ideas 
were so fresh and good that it just happened naturally. And that's good commercially, but is it good for the dynamic of the group? You know, does everyone want this new guy who's coming in to sort of take over? How do you mm -hmm. feel about that? Are you comfortable with Raven basically becoming the creative force of Yes during this, these years? Or is there oh, some resentment? Yeah, no, I think, um, I think everyone was, okay. you know, because he was, he was obviously the, uh, the dominant force, um, yeah. in, in, in the songwriting. Although by Big Generator, um, you know, he, he came into, uh, in, into the band, you know, before 90125, right. uh, with songs that he'd already written, produced, okay. and, uh, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that material, uh, was his. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nobody else's. Big Generator was a, a, a slightly more sort of democratic thing. We sat in a, in a room in the Hollywood Hills and, uh, you know, played, uh, with drum machines and, mm -hmm. uh, and musical ideas and a, and a lot of, uh, you know, Rhythm of Love and Shoot High and Low. Mm -hmm. um, he already had Love Will Find a Way. Um, I'm Running. Um, the Final Eyes were, you know, were collaborations mm -hmm. between the the people that were there. And John was kind of there, but he was in and out. Okay. Um, Chris was there all the time, but Chris, <laughs> being Chris, was really not there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, when I was reading up on this, I read that this was a big drug time for everybody. I don't know if everybody means mostly Chris or if it's everybody's kind of indulging in this during these periods. <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a certain amount of um, uh, shenanigans going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not, okay. not everyone, of course. Uh, right. In fact, uh, there was really very very little from uh, you know from the rest of the band, but uh, okay, you know, this was kind of a party guy. Okay, I didn't realize, but that's good to know. And marriages <laughs> are breaking up, and these older you know proggy British rock guys are suddenly in L.A. with number one songs, and you know all the all the indulgences that that brings with it. I'm guessing this is a pretty heady time for everybody to kind of let's enjoy this. We didn't know this kind of success before. Well, yeah, there, there was a certain, a certain amount of that. Certainly um, after quite a few years of, uh, of success from, you know, 82 to 85. And then, uh, and then we sort of realized that we had to, you know, do another album. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the record company, too, probably wanted a, um, a follow-up to 90125. Mm -hmm. Same same vein, and uh, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, disparity in the, in, in the band, in, in that they'd gone through uh, the, the, the 70s with, you know, very progressive so-called yes music, you know? Right. And, um, and the, the 80s was sort of far from that. And, uh, it was successful, but we lost a lot of, uh, of the original fans and, you know, people 
people like John, uh, I think mostly John really would have liked to have taken it back to the to, to, to the seventies. And in fact, I mean, he he went on after that to um, ABWH. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Anderson, um, Rupert, Wakeman, and Hal, that album is more in keeping with the traditional yes that people think about. And, right. You know, yeah. spiritualism and all that kind of yes. stuff. Yes. So, the, the, so the, you know, the pop aspect of, uh, of what we were expected to follow up with. Mm-hmm. Was you know a little a little difficult, you know it's kind of you kind of go along with with what you're producing and what you what what you're writing, you know when you're rehearsing songs like Love Will Find a Way and Rhythm of Love, it sort of takes it to another. It, it you know it's not close to the edge. Right, right, yeah. So yeah, there was. Uh, there was a, a, a disparity of thought in uh, in you know what we were trying to do then. Yeah. I don't think anyone really knew, except you know everyone was happy that um, that Trevor seemed to know mm-hmm. you know what he what he wanted to do. So. Right. Who's Paul Devilliers or whatever? His name is on there too, but I don't have any real history Paul, of who he is. Yeah. Paul was a friend of of Trevor's. Okay, and um, he had uh, uh, just slightly previously uh, um, had a hit with uh, a band called Mister Mister. Sure, uh, yeah, I love uh, them. Yeah, great, great album and, uh, and everything. And we'd gone through, you know, we started the album off in in a in a castle in mm-hmm. Italy, mm-hmm. you know, which was a you know. <laughs> Boy, I've read somewhere it was for tax purposes. But, you know, every British classic rock band has done something similar to that. The Stones, Zeppelin, all of them do these things. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) Except the uh, the facilities there were not exactly, Uh, uh, you know, uh, Rolling Stone quality. Uh. quality. (laughs) It, it, It was very odd. Um, living quarters, should we say, you know, tiny, tiny little rooms. And of course, you know, the band said, you know, we're not, uh, we're not, we're not putting up with this. And, uh, and, um, my point was the alternative is to spend an awful lot of money because you've got to rent houses and cars at that Mm -hmm. point, you know. And and apart from anything else, you're kind of not together. Cut a long story short, it was me ended up with Trevor Horn and myself in two little rooms in the castle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you two aren't getting along anyway. That sounds maybe this is why you two can't get away from each other. Well, he uh, it was a slightly different situation in that I had quite a um a, a much bigger hand in writing of the, of the songs yeah true. and being you know sort of instrumental in actual you know the, the actual album so yeah it was um 
it was not like he could get rid of me that easy mm -hmm. at, that, <laughs> at that point. <laughs> but it was it was certainly uncomfortable. But I yeah. was kind of uh, stamping my feet and trying to trying to make a point about how much it it was costing. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and of course it it was a ridiculously uh, expensive really? album. Yeah. Um, well, and ev everyone did get big houses in the vicinity and. <laughs> Uh, and went we'll exactly the way that I knew that it would. Yeah, pretty much, yep. All right, well, the album came out finally on September 21st, 1987. It reached number 15 on the Billboard charts in America. It eventually went platinum. I did also read maybe double platinum. That might have been Raven just kind of um, embellishing the numbers a little bit, but it went at least platinum. And I remember seeing Chris and John on MTV guest DJ shows and stuff like that. I remember the videos. We'll kick it off with Rhythm of Love. That was the second, only two singles from this, and I've got some questions about that. Rhythm of Love is the yeah. second single. It hits number 40 on the Billboard charts, barely you know, hitting the top 40. Um, when Rabin talks about this song, he says it's pretty much just sex. I just thought it would be funny to tease the listeners with a sex song, and this is it. But of course, no one does a sex song quite like Yes. So you have a co-write on this song. What do you remember about this song? And what, what, one thing I want to know when we talk about these, Tony, is what parts of these songs do you personally feel some ownership of? Like, I did this part. I remember recording this line or this sound or whatever. That was my contribution. If you don't mind, I'm curious what those are. Well, it, I mean, it, it, it depends on the, on, on the song, and it, 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 it starts with, uh, with somebody. Usually it mm -hmm. starts with somebody, some, uh, some idea. Mm -hmm. uh, Rhythm of Love was me starting uh with the, with the riff and a drum machine and just sitting there late at night and uh and doing the the, the horn thing you know i it was sort of a, like a uh like a a stack uh old time you know r&b thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and of course rhythmically it was it was pretty much that too 
and um, and yeah, and it went on from there. Every everyone, of course, had a hand in 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 everything yeah. in, in in every song, and some people started. I mean, shoot high and low was. Uh, uh, Alan and I sitting at a drum machine at a piano and, you know, messing around with the, 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 the three chords. And he, he came up with that rhythm that, uh, mm. that, that, that is all the way shoot high and low. You know, Big Generator was very much Trevor. Okay. Uh, One thing I was uh, curious about, there's beautiful backing vocals on a lot of these, very, especially Rhythm of Love, very Beach Boys inspired mm -hmm. are you involved in that at all because no. raven and john and chris's voices sound so beautiful together and but i wondered if that was everybody or is it just the three of them usually yeah it was uh it was just the three of them and okay. you know usually inspired trevor uh trevor was so good at uh and was you know was a, a really good singer in his own right and yeah. uh you know, he was so good at putting that stuff together and recording it, and yeah. uh, um, you know, multi-tracking it, sort of, sort of Beach Boys. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. a, a lot of it was um, a lot of it was Trevor. Okay. Um, obviously, Holy Lamb was particularly mm -hmm. someone else. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Well, that was a good one. Now. Track two, Big Generator, one thing that always strikes me about this song is that it starts out with kind of the similar vocal studio trickery that Leave It had on 90125. Whenever I talk to you or any Gary Langan or anyone else who worked on that song, they are always like, "Oh my gosh, that was so much work putting that thing together." And uh, and the video too. Well, no, the video you guys are just standing around. Never mind. That's the that's the uh, like production value. But was with that being such a headache when you did leave it the first time, 
is this kind of a new trick that everyone's like, ooh, that was kind of fun, though. Let's do it again and put it at the beginning of Big Generator. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I think there was something that particularly Trevor wanted to do vocally. It, okay. You know, it, it just like Leave It, you know, became a sort of an acapella, mm-hmm. big, big vocal thing. Yeah, Big Generator, uh, which I think is, Actually, probably my favorite track on the album. Really? Ooh, I was hoping you would say that. Yeah, I, I really, uh, I, you know, I haven't listened to it in a, in a, in a long time. Uh-huh. But generally, I, 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 I think the end, the whole album is a little underestimated. I agree. Uh, I think it's um, a much, a much better album, you know, than the, the, the reviews yeah. <laughs> indicated. I agree. Um, I think that just generally, and this is my opinion about, you know, the whole album, and Trevor probably wouldn't agree with it, but I, I love the early mixes. I think, oh. they, I think they got into the weeds a bit uh, hmm. to make it slicker and, okay. you know, sound better. And, yeah. And, but actually, the, the more raw mixes that were done in... Uh, in in, um, in Los Angeles with the mm-hmm. uh, with the Villiers, were, were, to me anyway, more exciting. They were more interesting, more more raw. Yeah, you know? I feel like Big Generator would have made sense as a potential third or fourth single. Like I said earlier, there were only the two: Rhythm of Love and Love Will Find a Way. I think Big Generator and Almost Like Love both make sense as a third single. I'm curious why stop it too. You were doing. The album was doing good enough. Did they just feel like there wasn't enough interest, or was the band burnt out? Yeah, I think I think so. At at, at that point, I think people, uh, in, including the record company, thought, "Okay, uh, this is this is not uh, this is not going to be the hit that mm. uh, that we wanted." And uh, yeah, I think it was sort of abandoned um, at that point. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, I uh, the wrong singles in my in my opinion. But, uh, Ooh, okay. So do you, uh, do you feel like Big Generator should have been one of the singles or a first single or something? I think it should have been the first single, yeah. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I wondered that. Uh, there was a couple of good issues. High and Low was very, uh, you know, sort of Floydy in a, in a way, yeah, kind of was. moody. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought I'm Running was a, a really... Uh, uh, cool track too. Yeah, I do. Okay, you know, so. don't go the, the the don't go the single the single route. Uh-huh. Uh, was was sort of my opinion on on it. it was great. Okay, you know, obviously, love will find a way. If it's a pop single, you know. Yeah, it is. Uh, we, I think, we should have avoided that. But. Ooh, interesting. Okay, okay. A couple more thoughts on Big Generator. Number one. Was it always intended as the name of the album? And apparently, I've never seen the 90125 movie, but apparently that's a line by an actor in the movie. And that's where this term came from? Uh, yes, it's one of the uh, one of the video clips that sort of surround the, 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 the live, uh, okay. uh, 9012 live. Well, yeah. very, very well worth watching, by the way. It's, I, uh, I've, I've listened to the soundtrack album, but I've never seen the actual video. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, the all the 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 video stuff and the effects and everything were were it 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 
sort of pegs on a um, oh, cool. whole. Yeah, okay. and was sort of, uh, the technology was old now, but uh, at, at the time with the split screens and the, and yeah. The, yeah, it was uh, okay. uh, very I've very never seen clips of it, but I've never watched it in full. That's great. Why was, uh, now, was it always intended to be both the name of a song and the album, or was the name of the album decided later, or what? It was, yeah, it was decided later. It, it was okay. it was just a, a song that came from a narrative on the, uh, on the life. Okay. Um, another thing I read is that Alan White, when here on this song specifically, wanted more yes stamps, quote unquote. And I'm guessing that means he just wanted more of a yes imprint. We're not, not enough, too much AOR pop rock is happening. We need to sound like us. Let's put some of our stamps on this song. Is that, do you remember that? On Big Generator? Yeah, Big Generator, the song. Hmm. No, no, I, okay. I, I have no memory of that. And, uh, yeah, I don't, okay. I don't remember Alan, um, uh, pointing that out. No. Okay. Well, that's what I read on somewhere. So, yeah, you got it. Sometimes wrong. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> okay. So, track three is Shoot High and Low. And from what it sounds like to me, that seems to be the band's favorite track. I believe you've said that before. I think Raven said that before. This seems to be the one that satisfies the most people. Yeah, I think so. It, um, for for me, uh, life it was the uh, it, it was the the, uh, the more more interesting uh, oh. track. Uh, it it was uh, you know it's kind of a, um, a groove track. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of moody and but has great dynamics in it too. Mm-hmm. And um, and of course live it 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 was you know just the, the band used to take off yeah. it was yeah. a very by a very dynamic uh, track I could see that uh, yeah. there's and a lot of these songs are excellent guitar solos are those always Raven because 
like this one has this really incredible almost flamenco guitar spanish guitar solo in it is that him every time oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's incredible yeah, yeah no I, that, I know that uh the, the, the bit you're talking about yeah yeah uh he, he he's just amazing guitar player <laughs> he is i wonder too is him being south african is he bringing with him just this more exotic view or take on making music than anyone else in the band would have had <sighs> do they have um, anything to do with each other i don't know well, I mean, all I can uh, all I can deduce from it really is that he, you know, he plays piano, he plays drums, he plays bass, he plays uh, guitar, uh, really, really well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all of them, um, ju- just uh, an amazingly uh, talented guy. Yeah. And w- and you know should have all always really been. Um, uh, you know, writing for film, uh-huh. uh, which which obviously he 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 did, yeah. And and it was it was a progression for him, you mm-hmm. know. And and he did get a break in 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 his first uh, um, movie score um, mm-hmm. at, at the beginning. But but I think that uh, yeah, th- th- there's a, a lot of music in in, in all of the albums. You know, in the, in talk, um, mm-hmm. in in, uh, in the Union album, uh, that you know indicated what he was going to do. Yeah, I could see super, super talented guy, yeah. and uh, it was yes, was really a, a, a vehicle for for him. Yeah, maybe maybe not entirely accomplished, but but it, it, it was a good vehicle. Yeah, it was. It was. Okay, Almost Like Love. Now, I love this song. When I was a kid, this was my favorite song on this album. And I still will play it for people sometimes, and they won't know that it's Yes. They'll come in thinking they know what Yes is about. And you play this song, which sounds like a straight-up pop rock hit single on the radio with these horns and this riff, and they're shocked to hear that that's who it is. But if I remember right, when we talked about this a year ago, you're not crazy about this song. Raven's not crazy about this song. He doesn't think it should have even been on the album. Why is it on the album if no one really bought into it? 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with Trevor on, on this one and it's never, <laughs> and it's never, and you know, through the, through the years, um, not being in the band and I, I've, I've gone to see the band even fairly recently. They still do the song. They do? They do this one? Yeah. <laughs> Shucks. I've never seen Yes Live ever. And I saw Anderson, Wakeman, and Rabin, or whatever that thing was, a couple few years ago. And that was great. And of course, they didn't play this. I wish they had. I had no idea this one gets trotted out. I just assumed mm-hmm. this is the one that no one ever touched again. Yeah, I mean, even even Steve actually plays uh, <laughs> almost like love. What what we were we were talking about before um, rhythm of love um, uh-huh. b- because of the love thing. I I I I got a little confused. Uh, almost like love is the, is the song that I started um, oh. l- late at night with the uh, with the drum machine and the. And the and the sort of um, you know the the stacked rhythm uh, uh, horn section and yeah I I never liked it <laughs> even though that, <laughs> even though I was uh, sort of oh, inspirational right. uh, to it and I could never understand why the band wanted to carry you know oh. carry on with it. Oh, yeah. I love it. Someone yeah. I was reading compared it to Sue Studio as being a reason why they didn't like it. And I thought, well, I love Sue Studio too. I know I'm not supposed to, but I do love that song. And they're kind of right. So the introduction of horns is kind of a new thing. And there's some horn sections in this album. Who thought of the horns? And did anyone have a problem with that? Uh, well, I mean... Uh... I I had written the horn section to Almost Like Love. And, oh, um, you did? Yeah, and uh, that was the, that actually that was the first thing that uh, that, 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 that sort of inspired the song. Okay. Uh, Trevor Trevor took it and made it and and wrote a song about it. But yeah, okay. I uh, you know on that uh, the, the the rhythm section and that sort of R and B thing that uh, I, I was. Particularly yeah. fond of, and of course, yeah, I, the same with uh, with Genesis and Sisyphusio. Uh, very, mm-hmm. very, very similar in uh, in concept, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think it showcases everyone. The guitar riff is huge and heavy. Your Hammond organ sounds fantastic. Assuming that's what this is, Alan's uh-huh. drums are huge. John almost raps in the vocals. I just think I love this tune. And this too, I think, would have sounded great on the radio, but no one wanted to put that out. It sounds like. I think that um, I, my problem with it was that the, 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 the chorus was cheesy. Ah, uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. And I could see that. Uh, if if it had been a little hipper than yeah. uh, than uh, what it turned out to be, I, w- yeah. I would have been a little more fine. Um, why they still play it, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell, Tony, that I came of age loving Yes during this chapter of your career and not the previous chapter? Because if I had, I'm sure I would feel similarly. But because this is what introduced Yes to my world and I fell so deeply in love with it, this, these songs mean so much to me, more than topographic oceans or whatever, which uh, 
Yeah, it's good too, but uh, I just love this this 80s period so much. Yeah, the the 80s the 80s era. That's it. That's it. And I yeah. like Bach and Union too. Not as much as these two, but um, you guys just were on fire around this time. Okay, level. We're turning it over. We're on side two now. Level find a way. It was the first single. It reached number thirty. I feel like this song over the years, I hear this song come up more often um, as time goes on. This feels like the song that was great at the time, sort of forgotten about, and is now getting, uh, now um, sort of poking out more often than it used to, at least with my friends and on people I know who have podcasts and song lo- music lovers and stuff like that. This song is sort of having almost a second life. Do you notice that or feel that at all? I, I don't hear that, but uh, Love Will Find a Way is all Trevor. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, was, it was his thing. The one, the, the, the one thing I, I, I really like about Love Will Find a Way is the video. Yeah. Made. Right. <laughs> in the uh, in the with the airplane and the air, uh-huh. and the, around the campfire and a very uh, yeah very 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 cool video. Yeah, I love that. Now he apparently initially intended to give this song to Stevie Nicks, right? And it didn't end up happening. Hmm. Uh, that's what I read. Yeah, I yeah I I did I did hear that yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, Stevie was at the uh, at the house quite a lot. Um, really? Why was she dating when somebody? We, when? No, no. Just okay. She dates everybody. People. I just assumed she no. hook it up with somebody. And yes, for a little while there. <laughs> there were there were late night parties at the, okay. uh, at, the yeah. at the Hollywood House where okay. um, Stevie and Sly <laughs> used to used to hang out. Did yeah. you say TV so I, and Sly, like Sly uh-huh. Stone? Uh-huh. Sly Stone. I guess these are people who just go to wherever the best cocaine is. Sly, Sly Stone is hanging out at Yes Parties? I know. It's, I just read a book on Sly Stone. This is crazy. It's hard <laughs> to believe, right? Wow. 
<laughs> oh man, We're, not it the kind of what uh, the good coke is. Those guys, not yeah, well, probably more more that. Yeah, not not entirely uh, a, a musical inspiration for no. either either of them. <laughs> Although we had we had toured simultaneously with uh, with Fleetwood Mac. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry to hear about Christine too. Not very very sad. Okay. So yes. yeah, we crossed paths quite a lot and. Stevie was always around. So. Oh my gosh, you're blowing my mind right now, Tony. This is so crazy. I'm just imagining Sly Stone partying at Chris Squire's house or something. It didn't. Does it feel like it should go together? And yet it does. It, um, yeah, it, it turned out to be Chris Squire's house, actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can <laughs> well, see that. it was the rehearsal house, but um, you know, Trevor, both yeah. Trevor and I had houses in the Hollywood Hills okay. close by, so. Very often we left at oh, night time when the uh, when the fun started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I would love to be a fly on that wall. Yeah. So, I, I'm me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any idea what I eat at Shay New means and why that was uh, for like uh, tonality or just you know, what do they call it when like Sue Studio was just a made up word that Phil put in there because. He wanted to find a word eventually that sounded like that. Guide vocals? Maybe that's what I'm thinking. That's what Shea New, Eat It Shea New, sounds like to me. Like, we're going to find something that makes sense later, and then never was, did. No, it was the name of a restaurant. Yeah, but it's such an odd thing but, to put in this, I eat at, like, why are you declaring that you eat at this restaurant? Well, it had a, it had a double meaning. Um, uh-huh. uh, Alan's uh, drummer, uh, Alan... Alan White, drummer, um, yes. roadie, his drum roadie, um, was, his name was Nunu. Oh. Uh, New for short. And of course, uh, Nunu, uh, especially at that time when we were sort of ensconced at the house in the Hollywood Hills, kind of looked after us, you know, oh. uh, got meals together and it was generally, the kitchen was generally known as Shenu. Oh, okay. So it does have a, a slightly double meaning. Um, people and fans have always thought, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. And, okay. and, and what does it mean? But yeah, yeah we, uh, the, the kitchen was Shenu. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. All right. Now I know. I've always wondered. Um, I just, I love this song. It is a straightforward, more pop rock song that maybe other bands could have done, but I feel like Yes did it their way and made it really special. I love that boom after the away part when it kind of kicks back in. I love mm-hmm. the real strings on the intro. Do you feel, I know this is all Raven, but you played on it, right? Do you feel, do you remember recording any parts of it? Oh sure, yeah, okay. yeah, okay. yeah. We all we all recorded it. I I think it was a song. Actually, I really don't know the entire the entire story, but I think it was a song that was maybe conceived with Roger Hodgson. Who, oh, really? Of Supertramp? Yeah, Supertramp. Who Whoa. who Trevor was hanging out with and uh, uh, friends with. Um, okay. And I think I, I sort of get the impression that 
that it could have become more of a super champ song than actually a yes song. Wow. Oh my uh, gosh. Okay. That, uh, but I, I could be way off base with that, yeah. but okay. it, it's certainly a, uh, I, I mean, I know that they were hanging out together. Yeah. And, uh, um, okay. So I, I think you could have had that sort of, wow. uh, who knew? Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, next up. Who she knew? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who she knew? <laughs> um, okay. Next up is finalized. I gotta admit, this is probably the song in the album I forget is there. Um, not that I don't like it, but it's been preceded by a bunch of songs that really stick out to me more. And it's the song after it is arguably my favorite on the album, so I forget Finalize is even there sometimes. I guess Raven said that it sounded too much like Journey for him and didn't think it belonged on this album either, necessarily. Yeah, I I tend to agree with him there. I, okay. I have no I have no definite um, memories of uh, of actually recording finalized. Uh, although, okay. you know, a, a lot of these maybe all of, all of these songs um, except uh, Holy Lamb and maybe Love Will Find a Way were recorded at the uh, the castle in Kalamati. Mm. Kalamati? Something uh, like that, yeah. Uh, Karamati. <laughs> okay. Karamati. Uh. And um, I have different, definite memories of, uh, of recording a lot of things there because we, we set up all, all in separate rooms, particularly because uh, the drums were set up in... in the great room in the castle uh, because of good. the uh, of the acoustics, and uh, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of memories of certain certain things, yeah, certain songs, finalized being uh, uh, one of them. Okay, okay, I um, like finalized. Uh, I, I do I, too. I know what you I know what you're saying, but uh, 
I, I think it has uh, some really interesting musical things I going do. on. There's like a, and I don't know what it is. I'm not being a musician kind of sucks at times like this. It almost sounds like a pipe organ or a glockenspiel or something. There is some, I don't know, even know I how to describe it. I think it's a pipe organ. You is it? Okay, yeah. yeah. There's a sound, and I'm assuming that's you playing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In all of these songs, the more you, at you know, at face value, it seems kind of like a, like we were saying, almost like a pop rock pop rock album, really. But when you get underneath that first layer and see what else is going on, there's all these interesting sounds. There's yeah, yes, a lot of, as Alan might have said, everywhere. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. It is yeah. actually. A lot more, co- well, you know, because it's yes music. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it, it's not close to the edge, but it's um, in yeah. a way po- possibly more complex in a in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, for the eighties, it certainly was. Yeah, yeah as ninety one two five. If you if you do a, a sort of deep dive into that, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, there is. Um, okay, I'm running. Depending on my mood, is my favorite song on the album. Uh, sometimes it's almost like love, sometimes it's love will find a way, but I'm running is off and up there. I love that it changes from like five different styles of music, all of which work. There's some like reggae tones in there. There's some like, right. you know, there's shoot high and low kind of dark moodiness. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of everything in there. And uh, you have a co-write on this one too. What what do you remember as being your contribution to I'm Running? Because there's a little bit of everything. Uh, yeah, not a lot. Oh, really? It, okay. Yeah, it, it's one song that I... I, I remember being a, uh, a castle song just because of the, I don't know, the mood of the, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is a definitely a moody song. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could add more to, okay. uh, uh <laughs> to the conversation. Yeah, no, that's um, okay. Um, John starts out singing Jacaranda, help me out tomorrow or whatever it is. That's, mm-hmm. uh, I think Trevor Raven has a solo album called Jacaranda. That's like a South African. I don't even remember right now what Jacaranda is. Is Anderson writing the lyrics or is Raven writing the lyrics for the most part? Well, I think I think it was a, a mixture. Okay. 
you know, John was around, but he wasn't around all the time. And a, a lot of it was, and I couldn't sort of really dissect it, but mm. a lot of it was Trevor. Okay. And of course, okay. uh, Jacaranda is the name of uh, Trevor's studio. Yeah. Oh, that's why he has an album called Jacaranda. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, one of his solo albums. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Did you guys ever perform I'm Running Live? Sure. Oh, is there? Okay, so I'm wondering, did are there any songs on this album that were never performed live again, or did everything make it into the set list at least for a little while there? Yeah, we would. We actually performed, um, I think, everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, there there is a um, a recording of the show from I think Buenos Aires. Oh, oh wow. Okay. No, no. Actually, it was a it was a gig in Chile. Okay. And. A radio station recorded it, um, and it, it is actually the only live recording of, um, Ooh, okay. of the album. Uh, I'll see if I can on, find that. It's on YouTube. Oh, perfect. Okay, good. Yeah. I'll check it out. And um, it's actually um, quite a, a, a decent uh, live recording. Okay. Um, if you listen to it, you will pretty I'll much get the live I'm running. Yeah, awesome. yeah. The, okay. The whole thing, okay. including Holy Lamb. Nice. Okay, so yeah, that's the last song. Uh, written just by John, which makes sense. I mean, it's the Johnniest John song ever. Anything Holy Lamb and Harmonic, songs for harmonic convergence, all of the mysticism and spirituality and all that kind of stuff. He loves that kind of stuff. It was John's, um, yeah, it was John's song, and yeah. uh, it had to go on the album. Yeah, had to. You say mm-hmm. that like, okay, got it. <laughs> I get what that means. Um, it's a pretty little thing. It's super short. It's at the end. It's almost, uh, after, like I was saying, after having, because I'm running is the song I go back to. I sometimes just finish and don't always get to Holy Lamb. No offense to John. But um, I remember that harmonic convergence thing being a thing back in 87, Trump. where like everyone was going to get on the same, you know, astral wavelength or something like that. I sound like I'm criticizing. I don't mean to, but it was some... Something like that. Well, people, uh, some people, anyway, uh, do tend to criticize John for um, 
you know, his cosmic, uh, yeah. um, output. Um, but I, I, it's a pretty, it's a pretty song. It, was a, it a, is. It was a, a little tough to, re, to, uh, actually play live. Um, oh, I could see that. I think we may have actually played, uh, played it to a sample because of the, uh, of the rhythm track. Okay. But it has, you know, it's got a kind of a soon uh, quality yeah. to it. And he does write uh, really, you know, pretty melodies like mm-hmm. uh, on, on songs like that. Yeah, it's a pretty little track. And it's nice that it's there at the end. And, um, yeah, it says a lot about John. That's who he is, his songs mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. And it was always the, uh, you know, it was the, the, the last song of the, of the show. Oh, and, okay. And we used to have the only lights were a, a mirror ball. Mm. So, so cool. you can imagine the, yes. the, uh, the the vibe was there. Yes, I could totally see that. Nice effect. <laughs> okay, I get it. Well, that's the album. I mean, there's only eight tracks, but they're all. Each one has a really interesting story. I did want to ask you about the cover. Um, obviously, with the previous one, nine hundred one two five, you guys weren't doing Roger Dean anymore you're doing kind of you know whatever the uh modern art version you know 80s very theme what do you think about the cover are you okay with it i you know i never i never had an input to it um i think i would have done something a little more sort of big generator like okay Uh (laughs) uh-huh um I wasn't that I wasn't that fond of it, um, but I had I had no input in uh, in it. I I don't think it was that uh, that great. Okay, okay. Well, um, I love it, and uh, so I thought this would be a really fascinating album to kind of dig into, and it turns out it was. Thank you, Tony, for doing. When you look back, when you think back on this period, we've already covered a lot of ups and downs. What's your what's the dominant thought or feeling or reaction when you think about the big generator period of your life? Uh well it was uh it was a it was a good time. It was um um it was a slightly complicated time yeah. in in terms of relationships. Certainly the band relationships um other than the other. So it was a it was a very interesting period but we had just come off you know the most amazing success mm-hmm. and i think everyone everyone was really tired yeah i think everyone realized that we couldn't really follow follow up on uh on 90125 the way that yeah. uh people wanted you know there was a slight discrepancy Within in the people in the band about the direction mm-hmm. that it, it mm-hmm. should that it should go, yeah. and but it was um it was you know it was a it was a fun time. I yeah. I have good I have good, good. memories about okay. it. And to keep the yes blow to float, like I said, if nine hundred one two five was the divorce baby, big generator is the divorce house, <laughs> right. and uh, it managed to you know keep the family together for a little bit longer, successfully, yeah. you know. It did, and it, and it, and of course, it it led up to what was the inevitable, and um, and that was, you know, the 
for the eight of us getting together for the uh, union tour. Yeah, yeah. That was the the outcome of uh, of that whole period. So, and that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, good, good. I'm glad to hear it. Um, thank you for doing this with me, Tony. You're just the best, and I'm I I know I'm just grateful that you take my calls. I, that sounds really funny, but a member <laughs> no, of guys that I admire so much will talk to me more than once. I feel like a very blessed man. So thank you for you, doing that with me. You know, you can you can call me at any time. I'm uh, I'm very retired now, uh-huh. and um, and and th- this is always a pleasure. Oh, thank you for saying that. It means a lot to me. I love you guys so much. To be able to pick your brain sometimes means a lot. Thank you, Tony. All right, there you have it, Tony K. Seriously, how lucky are we that we get to hear from people like Tony K? I mean, he was on a year ago to talk about his own project and his own career, and then to come back and talk for an hour about this album, which isn't even like a high point in his life. But we are so lucky and so grateful for people like Tony. So grateful. And I just, I really want to know what you guys think about Big Generator. Who's a fan? Who's not a fan? What kind of strong feelings, if any, do you have? I want to get into this with somebody. So, people, please communicate with me what you think about when you think about Big Generator. Good or bad. I love it, but I understand if not everyone does. Okay? Anyway, hope you enjoyed this. Thanks again, Tony, for chatting with me. We love you. We'll talk to you all soon.